Welcome to Free Talk Live. Phones are open here and you can join the program. All you have to do is dial in at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, you have Ian. The nobody formerly known as Rich Paul. And Aria. Of course, you can bring up whatever you want to discuss. There's a lot of interesting news on the way here tonight. Uh, I've got some crypto-related stories. We haven't done a lot of crypto coverage in a little bit. Of course, the price of Bitcoin has been in the downward area towards around $40,000 in recent days. Um, Hasn't but it been chilling around 40? It's been upwards of 47 over the last few weeks at some point. Okay, that's and, a recent development, though. Yeah, isn't it's it? come back down to around 40 in the last week or so, I think, if I recall oh, correctly. Okay. Um, so, but that's not, I don't, even want, I don't want to talk about the price as much as some interesting uh, news. But to start things out, the big news is obviously the federal judge, Catherine Kimball Mizell. Uh, who has now overturned the CDC's mask mandate for airplanes and other forms of public transportation. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. According to the... It only took them like two years to decide that they're violating our rights. Uh, Amazing. Well, I don't even know if that was what her opinion was. We'll get into her her excuse for why this happened uh, in a moment. But the story is from the EpicTimes.com. They say that it was uh, struck down today, and she wrote that the CDC rule exceeded the agency's statutory authority because its implementation violated administrative law. So it didn't have anything to do with your rights. Well, I mean, it kind of did. In the sense that this this federal organization overstepping its bounds means mm. that it violated our rights in the process, right? Because that's what the whole, that's what its boundaries yeah. are supposed to be. Literally, due, due process is following the procedures that are in place. So, which they didn't, they didn't do. do. So, so yeah, it was. I mean, it would have been nice if it had been a full throated defense of the right of yeah. the people to keep and bear their frigging faces. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she didn't mention that apparently. But uh, she's based out of Florida and was appointed by Donald Trump. And of course, the people on the left are flipping out about this decision as a result oh, of that. God, I'm so sick of the whining. She uh, directed the agency to reverse the policy nationwide in response to a lawsuit filed by the Health Freedom Defense Fund. It's not clear if the Department of Justice will try to file an appeal or how quickly the ruling will be implemented across the United States, namely at airports. Several weeks ago, the CDC announced they would be extending the It should be mandate. immediate, right? You would think. I mean, if, if they don't have the authority to do it. Then they automat- then yeah, automatically. They didn't have the authority last week, and they're not going to have it next week. Yeah, yeah. this so, should I mean, negate it instantly, right? One uh, would expect, and it should negate every single thing that's been done to somebody because they didn't wear a mask as well. That should all be moot now. Yeah, and and again, this is specifically, I guess, for airplanes and other forms of public transportation. But it does make me wonder if the same. Uh, opinion could be applied to the other areas in which that they have mandated mask wearing so for instance like inside uh, federal government buildings for instance i suspect not because the federal government can probably make rules for itself Mm. with a much wider margin uh than they can for let's say you know public businesses yeah but they shouldn't be able to no they shouldn't uh, we were at uh, the federal courthouse I mean, last they week. They should be hanging from something. 
Well, I don't know if I would go that far. Yeah, I don't think that's going to solve anything. But uh, the uh, federal courthouse last week, I was pleasantly surprised that they were not requiring masks in order to get in, which is uh, good because I can't go in. I'm, I'm medically exempt from mask wearing, and they usually mean they will not let me into that courthouse if I don't put a mask on. Uh, but so I asked the guys at the front, the security agents, about it, and they said they expect it's going to come back. I don't wow. think so. It's gone, but they think it's coming back. I mean, the anti-COVID or anti-government sentiment is so strong throughout the United States that I, I don't think these things will you come back. You think there's an anti-government sentiment? In response to oh, COVID-19, God. yes. Okay. Anti-establishment in general, the uh, the like the major media's ratings are in the toilet, CNN, mm. MSNBC. Where their viewers are dying off. I mean, they're literally losing them due to old age. Oh, well, I mean, there's that, but they're not replacing it, and they're not, they're not getting any attention from the people, uh, from the people now living. And, you know, it... it oh, yeah, they're it, dying it, off. Well, it, it, watching the news wasn't an old people thing a decade ago. Um, I think it was. I, I, I don't I mean, know to what much extent everybody was paying attention to, to cable news, CNN or Fox or something. I think you're more likely to say that because you're sort of connected to the world in that way. You pay attention to the news. And so it's more relevant and you're more aware of it. I think that those uh, companies have been dying off for much longer than the last decade. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I tend to agree. I mean, this whole thing was entertainment, right? The whole COVID-19 thing, it, it was just entertainment for the masses, and the masses stopped being entertained long ago. I didn't find it ago. entertaining at all. Yeah, yeah, but the average person did. They, they don't view it that way. They don't have the, uh, the honesty and the, the self-examination. You enter- when you say entertaining, you mean like as though it has grabbed their attention? Because I don't think fear is particularly entertaining to most people. I, mean, I think they found it. I think the average person did find it entertaining. They just don't have the self-honesty to, to, admit, it, to it? admit that. Hmm. Because it, it was this virus that you know allowed them to feel afraid but at the same time it wasn't really killing anyone so they didn't have to really be afraid it just gave them an opportunity to act out Hmm. as though they were fear for their lives it it was completely an entertainment thing and it ran its course and people got sick of it but the media didn't pick up on that they just kept beating that dead horse for an additional year or so and the average person Hmm. has been sick of it since oh i think at least october of last year I think the big thing that liberals got out of it was, I mean, not that they don't take plenty of opportunities, but the opportunity to walk around, feel like they're better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. They're more compliant. Yeah, Um, there was a big amount of signaling going on with that for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, every every mask was a I didn't vote for Trump sign. Um, Yeah, that's true. You know. Mizell uh, stipulated the judge here stipulated the CDC violated the Administrative Procedure Act because it did not, quote, allow for public participation through notice and comment before issuing the mask mandate. So that's that's it. This is a total technicality. This doesn't have anything to do with uh, the rights of the people or anything like that. It's, oh, y'all made a rule without asking for public comment first. That was it. 
Well, I mean, wow, that yeah. screwed up. They shouldn't be able to do that. But it's not like public comment would have made any no, of course not impact anyway. <laughs> you haven't heard what I would have said. <laughs> but they wouldn't have listened to you. That's the thing. It wouldn't have made any impact because public comment is just this thing they have to go through. They don't actually care what people say or what people think, in the same way that the city council in Keene didn't care that 90% of the people didn't want a bear cat. They went ahead and voted for it anyway, and then it crashed through your front door, nobody. By the I way, hate did you it know when that happened. You're the first person that they ever used the bear cat on? In <laughs> really? Yeah. That was the Keene bear cat? It yeah. wasn't the FBI bear cat? No, that's the Keene bear cat. You have to understand, the Keene bear cat is the FBI bear cat. Part of the deal with the bear cat, uh, for listeners that don't know, this is an armored personnel carrier. It's a tank. Yeah, it's a tank that the that uh, local governments around the country have been given grants to buy. These are three hundred thousand dollar units. They got a two hundred eighty four thousand uh, dollar grant from the federal government with the strings attached that say, "Hey, yeah, you get this Bearcat, but if we ever come to town, we being any federal government agency, DEA, FBI, ATF, you fill in the blanks. If we ever come to town, you guys better have it fueled up." You better have it oiled. You better have it taken care of because we can use it anytime we want to. So basically, it's just a housing agreement for federal equipment located in various different small towns and medium-sized and full-sized towns around uh, around the country. That's what the Bearcat deal is. Yeah, well, yeah, wow. that's yeah. obvious because the city of Keene and its little Mayberry-style police department is never going to have any justification for driving a tank through someone's front door. That won't necessarily stop them. No. Well, it stopped <laughs> them for the last you know decade. It wasn't until the FBI came along and was like, hey, we want to use this, that suddenly they were okay with it. The Gotta number. love the Cowboys and law enforcement. <laughs> if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. On the uh, social media out there right now in the world of the libertarian social media. Uh, what are they tra- traumatizing now? There's a lot of praising going on for this judge. Like, oh, she's so, I don't know if I've seen the word based, but they love that word, right, on on uh, online. And they're just holding this lady up as though she's some kind of a hero who has overturned the CDC's mandate that there needs to be masks on public transportation, including airplanes. Now, look, I'm glad that happened. I don't want to take that away from anybody as far as a victory is concerned. There's no doubt. It's a victory. Of course, she wasn't pointing out that it was a violation of anyone's rights. She's simply saying here, according to the EpicTimes.com, that it was a technicality where she said that if the CDC had simply followed their procedures, then it would have been fine. But because the CDC didn't have the public comment, the public notice and comment phase before issuing the mask mandate, well, that makes it illegal. And so, therefore, it has to be thrown out. Why does the CDC have the authority to tell Delta that their customers have to wear these specific garments in the first place? Well, because... But why do we give a a corporation a license to kill in the first place? (laughs) Well, I didn't. Well, Delta is a corporation which sort of by 
definition means that they're a creature of the state and so they sure. kind of basically have agreed to do whatever it is the state tells them to do in return for the you know protections of the corporation i mean i know that right yeah. but supposedly we have law and order and checks and balances and all of this sort of th- th- stuff but i don't recall that any at any part of this the cdc was given authority by congress to tell airliners what they could and couldn't do yeah, it's amazing how usually it's the FAA's department. Yeah, it is. It's interesting to you know look at the, what happens with the CDC issuing their recommendations and how mm. many companies or other government agencies just take those and and act like it's God's word and they just do whatever mm. it is they're told to do. Well, what was really way more egregious than that was the uh, eviction moratoriums oh, yeah. where they told people that you couldn't evict a, a tenant out of right. you know in Dead some places it, it would be somebody living in the same house with you for years mm-hmm. you couldn't evict them even if they didn't pay you and well as i understood it you couldn't evict them for not payment of rent but you could evict them for other reasons uh really as i understood it like mm. what other reasons they were trashing the place or they weren't following whatever rules you had established for the property that they had agreed to. Hmm. Getting paid is kind of an important part of being a landlord, especially if you got property taxes. Right. They didn't waive those. All that. No, yeah. they didn't waive the property taxes. Yeah. It'd be one thing if you, you know, you didn't have to pay property. The thing was like a moratorium on property taxes for that same amount of time, but that didn't happen. I'm surprised we didn't have a epic round of landlord lightning. What is that? Landlord lightning is when landlords in like New York City where they got uh, rent control, mm-hmm. sometimes they get into a, into a spot where there's the building isn't profitable, they can't sell it, and, and they just burn it down. It's called <laughs> landlord lightning. Do they get the insurance? Was the idea that Well, if they don't get caught, they yeah. get the insurance money, <laughs> but a lot of times they get caught because, you know, wow. they're, they're not professionals in that area. They're... <laughs> <laughs> uh so the thing that's frustrating of course is, out of this i mean again it's it's good news that this thing's been overturned the reasoning was crap but it's overturned so that's good news but it's just so disappointing to see so many people who should know better posting that this woman is some kind of a hero online this is a uh, she's federal... better than your average drug judge yeah but this Whoa. is a federal district court judge you know and i know that day in and day out, this same person is probably sentencing peaceful people to long prison sentences for things like drug possession and other victimless crimes. Unless she's only civil or something like that. But a lot of the, I, I don't know if federal judges have that same distinction where I think they sit on multiple kinds of cases. F- feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about that. But there's no reason to believe this woman isn't just as awful as every other judge. She just made the right choice in this one case. Same thing's true about this DeSantis character in uh, Florida who keeps getting pumped up by people... In the That's because they want to run him in 2024, though. As a libertarian? They, libertarian, the liber, I wouldn't put it past the libertarian party. Let me put it that way. Yeah, me neither. He's not a libertarian, though. They don't care. They ran with Bill Weld, man. Right. That's the thing. That, that's the problem. The dude is a police statist. Rick DeSantis or Ron DeSantis, whatever the hell his name is, he's never seen a police, pro-police bill that he didn't like. He signs them all. And he loves 
defunding the cops and having more control and more laws on, for them to enforce on the streets. Didn't Florida also just do this don't say gay bill or something like that? To their- I haven't read anything about it. I know there's been a ton of controversy. Did, do you know anything about it? No, okay. Every thing I've, I've heard of it, heard about it, that that's in detail beyond people calling it um, don't say gay, basically said that... Um, it, it the thesis of the bill is that teachers should not be having detailed conversations about their sex lives with six-year-olds who are in their care. And I can't disagree with that general premise. Um, yeah, if there's going to be a government school teacher, I would agree with you there. I think they should all be abolished, of course. I don't know that that's the premise or not, right? Because it's not going to... When, when students read these stories, let, let's say you have a kindergarten class, right? And you're reading them some nursery rhyme about the princess locked in the tower being saved by the by the handsome knight or whatever. That's that's a hetero story, right? It's about a man and a woman, and he's rescuing her, and they're mm-hmm. going to fall in love and you know have two and a half mm-hmm. kids and a white picket fence and all that great stuff. The don't say gay bill makes that, that sort of story still okay. But if you had a prince being rescued by a male knight, you can't tell that story. Because it, I don't because it's think homosexual. That's the case they say they don't. They say that the word "gay" doesn't even appear in the bill or any reference to homosexuality. No, um, of course not. That's not how they would phrase it. So that's my so point. So how could they make that distinction in the bill? That's my without point referencing some difference between hetero and homosexuality. Because heteros, heterosexuality is so normalized, so pervasive within our society that people don't even think anything about it when you. Take a baby on a stroll through Walmart. Count how many old ladies go. Oh, he's a little, he's a little ladies man. Or oh, she's going to have all the boys chasing her. That's how pervasive heterosexual culture is in American society. And well, I'm not saying that's, that's a good how thing or a bad thing. Heterosexuality is. I mean, being gay is treated like it's unusual because it is. It's a very small percentage of people. Which is I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. Exists. But it's just like Christianity, right? Where the, there's this one religion, and anything that goes outside of that is considered to be abnormal or weird. And the average Christian, they're so wrapped up in their dogma and their theology that they don't realize how pervasive Christianity actually is. And the same thing is true for your average heterosexual person is that they don't see it because they're part of that culture that is constantly pushing. And I'm not saying it's a problem. Well, let's get into it here because I do have a story pulled up and it's it's from NPR. So obviously they're going to have a certain slant sure. on this, um, but they've got a quote from the actual bill. So we'll see what it what it says. Uh, the number six 603-283-6160. Of course, the best solution to disagreements about education is to get your kids out of government schools problem solved uh there's more if coming you up can here. afford to pay for a good education after a bad one more coming up it's free talk live do you feel like your country no longer holds your values have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. Talk live. The phones are open here, and you can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. The good news is the plane mask mandate, that is an airplane, 
and actually all public transportation mask mandate that the federal government has had in place for, I don't know, a year or two or whatever, uh, is gone. At least according to a judge, a federal district court judge in Florida. And of course, she's getting lauded big time by people in the, the liberty movement who should know better. This woman is probably just another awful judge, just like most of them are. Um, I wonder what the correlate or what the overlap is about people who are cheering for her and people who are fans of Elon Musk. Hmm. There's a lot of I bet you there's a lot of overlap there. But that somehow got us off on the don't say gay bill. And I wanted to get into that because honestly, we haven't discussed it. I know it's been all over the news. Now, apparently, the don't say gay thing is being picked up by upwards of a dozen states. So I guess it already went into uh, it got passed in Florida. And so, you know, a lot of governments are monkey see monkey do. Oh, well, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll it's run amazing that. that something can be referred to as as uh, don't say gay bill when it makes absolutely no reference to homosexuality or whether or not i mean it has absolutely nothing to do with that well now i haven't read the entire bill at this point and i don't know if they're oversimplifying it yeah so it's a seven page they're not just oversimplifying they're straight up lying about what it says well have you read the bill uh no i've i've uh you're just going to a different news source to tell you what's in the bill yeah how do you know what Mm. it says you haven't read it um no it's uh i mean there are statements that are easily checked like it says nothing at all about homosexuality have you checked i haven't (laughs) uh well i do have the bill pulled up here i have not yet done a uh, control f i also have not read it and i'm I'm not going to i'm just going to presume that npr is going to show us the worst of it because they're NPR, right? That's so, a fair assumption. So I have NPR's story here, and they say that the bill, which some opponents have called Don't Say Gay, was signed by DeSantis. It reads, quote, obviously this is just an excerpt, it's a seven-page bill. Quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards, unquote. Yeah, that's about what I would have expected. Rather than condi- or saying, hey, you can't talk about homosexuality or anything like that, they, they allege, oh, well, you can't talk about sexual identity or sexual orientation or anything like that. But again, it comes back to an issue of heterosexuality just being so common that people don't even notice when it's being discussed. Personally, I mean, I don't have any kids, but if I did... I would not want strange adults talking to them about any sort of sex, be it heterosexual, homosexual, spicy or kinky or whatever. I don't care if they use a feather or the whole damn bird. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just not appropriate for those ages. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people who share that that particular belief system and mm-hmm. others who disagree with it. And that's why we cannot get along. We cannot have these people together in the same system mm-hmm. because they will always be fighting over the details about whatever school curriculum is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one size fits all schooling will never work. No, it's constant f- internal fighting between different sets of parents who have different sets of values and the, but they all have to get the same product, whether they yeah. like it or not. The solution is to get out of the government schools. Now, you did point out right before we went to break there, nobody, that not everyone can afford 
to send their kids to private yeah. school. Well, you got to pay for a garbage education and pay a lot for it. Yeah. And then maybe if you're lucky, you'll have the money left over to pay for an education that someone would actually want. Yeah, and when you say a lot for it, I remember, uh, I think the last I heard in New Hampshire, and it's different state by state, but in New Hampshire it was something around $20,000 per pupil per oh my God. per year is what the taxpayers are paying for quote-unquote education. Yeah. You can get a private school education for like eight grand in New Hampshire or less in many cases. Mm-hmm. So it's actually twice as And your kid will probably be able to read at the end of yeah. it. Uh, so it's it's more than twice as much to get a government education, which is garbage, compared to the private school education, which is going to be, in all cases, uh, much better. And the other benefit, of course, is at a private school, you get the education that you are looking for. If not, you take your kids somewhere else. If not, mm-hmm. you can just start your own private school. I mean, I certainly agree right back to the to the statement that you two were making that, you know, it's not a good idea to... Talk about sex education with second graders or third graders or whatever, or kindergartners, whatever age people want to talk about or discuss this at. I just don't think it can be avoided. And I, I don't think it's true that, you know, there's kindergarten teachers or first grade teachers sitting down like, okay, well, students, I want you to realize that two boys can love each other just like mine. I've, I've seen them bragging about it on TikTok. Every once in a while, somebody will put out a really, really egregious video and and it'll get spread around and yeah there are some teachers who are specifically there to for apparently no other purpose than to propagandize students about sexuality i still don't see an issue with it i mean if if that could turn people gay then we would all be heterosexual because we're constantly being exposed to heterosexual stories i I don't think i ever suggested that that could turn them gay i think you are what you were born i think the suggestion here is that it's sexualizing children unnecessarily i mean these are kids that want to go out and play in the the schoolyard or whatever they want to play tag and and pokemon or whatever it is that kids play these days right like they're not thinking about things like that yeah i mean they've got plenty of time to, yeah. to deal with. It so what's the harm in, in telling children that yes people can be gay i don't think there's any harm in that i per think se, there's but. harm in in having a huge focus on trying to push your ideas about sex on somebody else's children um i think yeah. that, i think that's a bad plan i stay the hell away from other people's children that's my strategy i agree with that um, um i don't think it i don't think it's and relevant. i don't have any of my own either so i don't have to worry about staying away from mine i don't think it's harmful what you're saying just to me it doesn't seem relevant to a math class or sure. uh you know an english class where these kids are reading i don't know what the hell you read in second grade but it isn't the most advanced uh reading list if i recall see dick dick uh, <laughs> I think it's well a how about a how about a second grade, you know, basic math question. Um, Bob and Eric are going to the movie theater together. They want to buy popcorn. There's there's a lot of people who say, no, you can't, you can't have Bob and Eric both going to the th- movies together. That's too close to being gay. There are people who, there are people who freak out about that. Is that close yeah. to being gay? Presumably, well, right? Those they're, people they're are going presuming out on a that date, they're dating. Right? I've been to a movie with you, but we weren't dating. Yeah, but these people wouldn't realize that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They jump to the, the worst conclusion. So it's just there's such a wide variety of opinions on this. And that's why I am of the opinion that if there is a government school, then they should stay the hell away from these potential, I don't know what the right word is, but fire pots or whatever. There's you know the potential for exploding mm-hmm. and getting people really angry 
uh, at you. But again, the best solution is to not have government schools at all. Yeah, that's the only that's the only solution I can see is get government out of it entirely. Right. That way, the people that want to have the ultra open, ultra sexualized, con- you know, content at school, y'all can you can have that. Just create that school if it doesn't already exist, and then some other people will send their kids there, and the but religious many, conservatives won't, and that's fine. But how many people would send their kids to the ultra-open, hey, we're going to teach your kids it's okay to be gay school, right? Well, if nobody wants that kind of thing, we shouldn't be forcing it I on agree them. entirely. I think a lot of people do want that yeah. kind of thing. Some people would send their kids um, there, absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, well, the same liberals. sort of people who, who want, you know, teachers pushing sexual propaganda on kids. Right. You know, I mean, they must want it for their kids. <laughs> exactly. If you want to join the show here and weigh in on this uh, quote unquote, don't say gay bill, even though it doesn't apparently say that in the bill. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. But this DeSantis guy, he's no hero of liberty. He's just a conservative who happened to agree with us on masks. And for people to pump this guy up as though he gives a damn about freedom is just so disappointing because people should know better. He and this judge, this federal judge, these people are all status, all through and through. Uh, you got to give some credit where credit's due. Yeah, I'll give them credit, but it doesn't mean I'm going to trust them or think they're good or think they're, they in any way care about liberty. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live. Phones are open here and you can join us at 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Aria. And I do want to uh, let you know about Bitcoin.com. We're going to get into a little bit of crypto news coming up here in moments. But if you want to get into cryptocurrency, learn about Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash over at Bitcoin.com. Just click Get Started at the top of the page. And that will take you some introductory information, including video content. You can watch as much as you have time for, as much as your interest will be kept for. I, I think it's a pretty interesting topic, uh, but at the very minimum, you should watch the first one for all of three minutes of your life and get down some of the basic concepts uh, surrounding cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash over at Bitcoin.com. You can also purchase cryptocurrencies, multiple cryptocurrencies through Bitcoin.com. And if you want to get the latest news headlines, they've got them every single day for you over at news.bitcoin.com. So uh, I think we've covered uh, – I mean, was there really more to say about this don't say gay thing? I feel like we all kind of got got yeah. hurt on that one. We've said gay. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and we will again. Um, and then you've got this lady, uh, this judge who has made the decision, Catherine Kimball Mazel. She's a Trump appointee who has decided that the CDC did not follow their own administrative procedures and didn't allow for public participation through notice and comment before issuing the mask mandate. She wrote in her ruling, quote, at the time when the CDC issued the mandate, the COVID-19 pandemic had been ongoing for almost a year and COVID-19 cases were decreasing. This timing undercuts the CDC's suggestion that its action was so urgent that a 30-day comment period was contrary to the public interest. So, too, their delay in issuing the mandate further undercuts its position. Public comment in this case is necessary, said the judge, because the mandate would, quote, constrain their choices and actions via threats and civil and criminal penalties, unquote. 
So that is the latest blow to the Biden administration's COVID-19 mandates. Earlier this year, the Supreme Court struck down the OSHA rule directing tens of millions of workers at larger private companies to receive vaccines, but left intact a Centers for Medical and Medicaid Services rule requiring healthcare workers to receive the shots. So again, we're not sure when uh, airlines will stop their mandates, and clearly an airline could continue its own rules so that is something they could do on their own volition if they want. Yeah, but the mandates as they are, they're enforced by, like, the TSA and stuff like yes. that. Correct. Even though, I mean, I, I, I can't wrap my head around the, the mental gymnastics that one of these statists have to do in order to justify the Transportation Safety Administration telling people they have to put a face diaper on. Mm. But you still see it well, around. Especially the air quality on a plane is supposedly better than it is in a hospital. Really? I mean, yeah, they've got super air air purification. Mm. Yeah, you can still there. get easily sick on a plane. So I mean, it doesn't help mm. a whole lot. Uh, but the the mental gymnastics, Arya, I mean, it's their, their status. I mean, I don't think they have to think very hard at all. It's like, oh, well, we want to tell people what to wear now. Okay, I know let's they do don't. That. It's but... thinking hard that, that would make it difficult for them to right. do what they do. Fair point. Yeah. I would have to do serious mental gymnastics in order to justify this to myself. You are not one of them. No, I'm not. No. Thank goodness for that. Um, but there are plenty of people out there that it's easy. You know, they just they think that their job is to tell people how to live and to tell people what to do. And so this comes naturally to them. That's just how it is. Hmm. All right. So there's that story. If you want to weigh that in, was, you can. One of my favorite quotes this week was uh, some woman from the mainstream media was talking about Elon Musk um, and... Uh, completely misrepresenting, I think, why he wants to buy Twitter. And she, but she says he wants to he wants to be able to tell people what to think, and that's our job. Yeah, we played that on the air Saturday night. She is a host on MSNBC, and wow. she just let it right out there. What a moron! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just supposed I, to think. I mean, that. perfectly suited for MSNBC. <laughs> In other news, uh, guess what? You can't speak. In North Korea about technology and come back to the United States and stay out of prison. Did you know that? Because that's what happened to an Ethereum developer. Ethereum is the second most popular, the second most valuable by market cap cryptocurrency on the planet. So we talk a lot about Bitcoin here. Ethereum's number two. Hmm. Uh, And uh, former Ethereum developer Virgil Griffith has been sentenced to more than five years in federal prison. Holy moly. For simply going to North Korea and giving a talk at a crypto conference in Pyongyang in 2019. I'm curious to know what justification, you know, they use for this, but sanctions. I know, but how does how does going there and giving a presentation run afoul of sanctions? You're but- helping them. By giving a presentation? That's what this is coming down to. I mean, kudos to the guy for going to North Korea in the first place, because I wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. It looks like if you're going to go to North Korea and give a presentation, you should probably stay there, because they aren't going to be too kind to you. I I think I'd rather go to prison (laughs) than stay in North Korea. What's the difference? well, well, he is going to get out after 63 he, months. Yeah, you eventually get out. 63 months? Oh, and a $100,000 fine. God. Yeah. 
for allegedly helping North Koreans use cryptocurrencies to evade sanctions. And evade their own government, one would think. In September, he pleaded guilty. Well, I hope the poor North Koreans who are being exploited by their government are listening because they should be getting into cryptocurrency so they can get around these horrific impositions that the United States government has put upon them. I wonder what percentage of them have a computer or a smartphone. It can't be very mm, many. No. Uh, That's okay. They'll do it on abacuses. <laughs> In September, he pleaded guilty, of course. To one count of <sighs> conspiracy to violate international sanctions against North Korea. He was arrested in November of 2019 after giving a talk at a cryptocurrency conference in Pyongyang. Who knew that they even had cryptocurrency conferences in North Korea uh, in April of 2019? The crime carries a quote unquote crime, carries a maximum penalty of 20 years. Griffith's plea deal with federal prosecutors brought the sentence down or the sentencing range down to 63 to 78 months, approximately five to six point five years. He has already spent two years in custody, though he was released on bail for 14 of those months. And so the court will give him 10 months of that 24 months as time served. So he's got to do basically another 53 months uh, at this point. The sentence. And this is for giving a presentation. It's not for selling cryptocurrency to north koreans or anything it's about just talking giving information correct to north koreans this i I, wow i know (laughs) so sometimes it just i'm still even though i've been talking about it now for years i'm still surprised by how monstrously evil this government is freedom of speech nope yeah sorry now if you talk to the wrong people now what if you know, he had done this same exact video and then sent it to someone who played it in North Korea. Instead of going there himself to give this presentation, he had pre-recorded it and sent it there. I think if it was if they could prove that it was his intention that it go to North Korea or that it end up in North Korea, then... So you have freedom of speech Ostensi- unless you try to speak to North Korea. Ostensibly, he was speaking on the topic of evading sanctions as well. So we'll get we'll get into that. Uh, but the sentence has been handed down by U.S. District Judge Kevin Castle of the Southern District of New York. It's on the lower end of the prosecution's sentencing guidelines, as recommended by the Department of Probation. Before he was sentenced, he and his attorneys had a chance to address the court with any last objections or remarks. Griffith, clad in a khaki prison uniform, exchanged glances with his elderly parents and several friends in the courtroom. Brian Klein, his lead attorney, urged urged the judge to consider factors he believed had not been accounted for in the prosecution's sentencing guidelines, including the harsh conditions at Brooklyn's Metropolitan Metropolitan Defense, sorry, Detention Center, MDC, which is where Griffith has been held. That's, I believe, where they held Ross Ulbricht as well prior to uh, his trial. Klein described, quote, several really trying and inhumane conditions he experienced at MDC, including extended solitary quarantines due to COVID-19 outbreaks, no family visits, limited access to blankets and warm clothing, and even being forced to use his sink as a toilet. Makes uh, New Hampshire jails sound pretty cushy by, uh, by comparison. No doubt. Uh, Klein said Griffith has been limited to two or less meals a day. I think they mean two or fewer. Usually uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because gangs in MDC control the kitchens and the commissary. Because of hold harsh- on, hold on, this is a jail, right? That's correct. Yeah, Brooklyn. 
there are gang prison. There are prison gangs in and Brooklyn jail. jails. Apparently, now well, for those who don't the know, the thing difference. is they're not necessarily prison gangs. They're just members. Well, they're of jail gangs. Gangs from outside that happen to be inside for the moment. But there's a huge there. difference between jails and prisons there out is, there for yeah. people who don't know the difference. And it sounds like this jail has more in common with the prison yeah. than the jail. Yeah, that's well, true. Well, there's not much much difference between New York and hell. There's more coming up here in moments. The number is 603-283-6160. Hour number two is on the way. We'll tell you more about this guy and why he's going to prison for talking to North Koreans. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. You are invited to join us here if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Aria. In recent weeks, we have discussed the concept of sanctions here on Free Talk Live, given what's been happening to the Russian people, many of whom might be against the war uh, going on in Ukraine, but they are suffering just as much as any Russians who are in favor of the war due to the sanctions. And then, of course, there's uh, voluntary sanctions that a lot of U.S. corporations and Western corporations are engaging in. Netflix, for instance, uh, or uh, YouTube have not been ordered to cut off the Russian people. They've only been told, like, the, the government sanctions, as I understand them, are targeting Russian oligarchs, Putin and his family, their buddies, government minister types. Uh, in Russia, but a lot of these companies are just completely cutting off anyone who is Russian. Yeah, Burger King did it, PayPal did it, yeah. uh, I think Google did it. If there's I remember a huge correctly. list. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a huge list. It's really Pepsi, Coca Cola, Burger King. The list that's short is the list of companies that haven't done anything. That's the short list. Because uh, this they're was all supposedly jumping completely voluntary. Like, a, mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about the government specifically requesting these people do this. Correct. Yeah, they're all just piling on to show their support for uh, for Ukraine. So sanctions hurt people. They hurt uh, peaceful people. They hurt the average person more so than any oligarchs or whatever. Uh, but it hasn't just been sanctions against Russia that have been hurting people. It's sanctions against every country hurts the people of that country. Right. Iran, North Korea, Venezuela, none of these situ- Cuba. And not only that, but it... But by making markets less free, 
these things make the whole world poorer. That's a great point because you can't trade with those folks. They might yeah. have a, a like you know, when Cuban cigars can't have those. Well, yeah. some some brilliant person in North Korea may have you know invented a, a 100% foolproof safe flying car and we'll never know about it. Well, true. I mean, in North Korea, you can't even communicate with them in any easy manner because it is essentially the hermit kingdom. They have Which no that, real... That is the fault of North Korea. Yeah. But if, yeah. you know, the North Korean government want to make some money, they could presumably have one of their brilliant people create some technology that the average American would find useful, but we wouldn't be allowed to buy it. The people they're of... hermits because they're crabby. The, her, the people of North Korea have no opportunities, and that's partially because of the North Korean government. But it's also because the rest of the world is shutting them off and refusing to do business with them. And and we, we've seen how that affects the people in Venezuela. We've seen how that affects the people in Cuba. It hurts them. It means they don't have near as many opportunities to, uh, to create, to do business. And if they can't do business with the largest, mm-hmm. you know, the richest market, it's not the largest by population, but as far as wealth is concerned, the U.S. is the wealthiest marketplace on the planet – and these people, these poor people in places like Cuba and Iran and and uh, and elsewhere, are completely prohibited from doing business with uh, with people in the United States, and that's that's tragic. But it's worse when people are actually even threatened with violence here in the United States for trying to do anything at all with people in these other countries. And that's the story we're sharing with you right now about. That's the amazing thing here, because this means that the U.S. government, for all intents and purposes, it's no better. Than the North Korean government. Of course not. The difference is only in degrees. Like you might well, get the executed. degrees aren't even that different at this point. But okay. In, in North Korea, you're more likely to get executed by a, po- a pack of dogs or thrown into a hard labor prison camp uh, versus this guy who's probably going to be going to a minimum security federal government facility for five years. Maybe. Yeah, that's not a whole lot better, though. Uh, or maybe they'll consider I mean, him I a would... national security threat and lock him away in max. Maybe he won't get minimum security. I, I would rather go in front of the firing squad myself. I wouldn't want to get torn apart by the rabid dogs or mm-hmm. whatever, but the firing squad's probably the, the... You'd rather go into a firing squad than spend five years in a minimum security prison? No. Okay. Then, <laughs> I just want to make sure we're clear on that. No. Not five years. So, again, it's the difference in degrees. And not in minimum security, right? But like a supermax or something like that, yeah, just where you're in isolation 24-7, yeah, just go ahead and... Put a bullet in me. In the United States, you have some amount of economic freedom. In most places, you still have to ask permission to do business. You have to ask the government well, master. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that you can, uh, you can find yourself with a nasty prison sentence in America for doing business without the proper permission in the form of licensing. Yes, as a Crypto6 uh, <laughs> member, we are all certain about that. No, there's no doubt about it. Uh, this is not, I'm saying, not saying this is a free marketplace, but it is a little bit more free. Again, we're talking about the differences being degrees. It's a little yeah. bit more free in the United States than in North Korea. North Korea is generally considered the dead last country on the list of economic freedom. Uh, if it's even included on the list because you can't get any data out of North Korea, no, no information comes from any source besides the government's official media. So you can't have any real way of comparing them to any of the rest of the world because there's no information. Uh, so you really don't know. Maybe they're worse than Venezuela. Maybe, maybe not. 
Um, I think they're way worse than Venezuela, though, because you can still at least open your own business in Venezuela, I'm sure, if you jump through enough hoops. I think if they were successful, like if the North Korean economy was successful and the people there were living, you know, luxuriously, we would know it. Yeah. Uh, And another great example of the difference in degrees in North Korea, they worship the uh, the Kims, the sort of the ruling family. There was Kim Il-sung, who was the grandfather, Kim Jong-il, who was his son, and now Kim Jong-un, who is his son. And in the United States, they like to pretend like they're not worshiping the government. Well, that's a, that's the thing. In North Korea, they worship the man as though he is God. They worship uh, more so the grandfather. They don't. Kim Jong Un hasn't apparently had the same level of of awe that his predecessors have amongst the people there. So that's, is that because he's retarded? Well, it. I mean, he does pretty much seem like an idiot the, the mythology i think is breaking down as the generations go by from what i understand all we know is what people tell us right like we can't well, it's hard to out. keep belief in a godlike myth alive when you're faced with a moron and when you're faced with starvation which they went through in the 1990s due to well communism not being able to provide food uh for everybody so it's it's a really interesting history, but of course the difference being in degrees. Mm-hmm. So in North Korea they worship these men as gods, but in the United States they worship the state itself. So it's not one man who is the god in the United States because there's plenty of people who don't like Biden you and get plenty a of people. New Jesus every four years. But there's also plenty of what? people who don't like each one of them, right? So people, a lot of people hated Trump, a lot of people hate Biden, etc., and so on. It just goes on uh, like that. I think a lot of people probably hate the uh the rulers of north korea it's you just, just can't say it not healthy to say so. correct you'll end up in a prison camp i don't know dead. man they're, they're so their information is so tightly controlled i i don't know if i if i could be convinced that they do hate kim jong-un some do but they would never tell you about it that's the thing you can't speak out against them in any meaningful way so that's the difference is here the people some of them hate the politicians, one side or the other, but they still believe in the state. They still believe that they can elect the right people to the state, and that then the state will be good. Then we'll get rid of the deep state, and all will be well. It's just like going Vote to a different church nobody. because you don't like your current pastor or your current priest or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I'll just go to this other church. So again, difference uh, in degrees. The number, if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. The man who's going to prison, though, for simply going over to North Korea and speaking to them is a gentleman who was a former Ethereum developer. His name is Virgil Griffith. He's been sentenced to 63 months in prison by a Judge Castle, a federal judge. Says here that uh, he had harsh conditions in the me- in the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn. They informed the judge of a psychological assessment of the man, uh, Mr. Griffith, done in prison, which found him to be suffering from personality disorders, including narcissistic personality disorder and obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Said uh, that the disorders explained his obsession with North Korea and his disregard for the war- from for the warnings of his family, friends, employer, and the government not to travel to North Korea. Griffith says he's been dedicated to therapy and was found to be treatable and not likely to reoffend. When Griffith himself was given an opportunity to speak, he told the court he had spent time in prison thinking about how he, quote, genuinely, arrogantly, and erroneously thought, I knew better, unquote, that his love, than his loved ones who warned him against going to North Korea. He says, I've learned my lesson. And there's more coming up here in moments. You can join us on Free Talk Live.
It's Free Talk Live. Phones open. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. By the way, I want to say thank you to Ryan Walsh. Ryan is a silver-level supporter of the Free Talk Live AMPS Patreon. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It's a way for you to help Free Talk Live get on more great radio stations around the country. If you enjoy the work that we do here, please join AMPS. And it's over uh, 80 supporters now in the AMPS program. So thank you to Ryan and the rest over at amps.freetalklive.com. That's A-M-P-S dot freetalklive.com. We're sharing with you a disturbing story about somebody who is going to prison. He's going to prison for uh, 63 months. He has spent 10 months behind bars already, so another 53 months. That's a hell of a sentence uh, for for speaking. Yeah, for having a, giving a presentation. And presumably the guy had no criminal record or they would have mentioned this. It's, yeah. it's just some Ethereum nerd who went to, who was like, hey, this could be a great way of lifting the average North Korean out of poverty. And he went there to do that, to show them how they may lift themselves out of poverty in spite of the overbearing and evil nature of the United States government. He said at sentencing, I've learned my lesson. I am still profoundly embarrassed that I'm here and of what I have done, unquote. I'm embarrassed that you're embarrassed, dude. You were doing a good thing. You, you were doing a service to humanity, and now you're ashamed of it. Well, they're going to argue that he was helping the government of North Korea learn how to avoid sanctions. Which is not as good but because of the socialist nature of north korea if you want to help the north korean people you kind of do have to help their government i'd better help them into a grave if you want to really help their people well ideally you know they, <laughs> they would become wealthy they would become more educated they would become you know all of these things that would make them realize that hey this socialism thing just isn't working out right but you got to yeah. start well, by that, putting some food in their bellies. I don't know. I, I mean, we don't know what this conference was that he was speaking at. The average North Korean probably doesn't have access to the Internet. So I presume this was a conference for government agents in North Korea. But I don't know. That does, they don't get into that. It probably wasn't for your average you know, street vendor or barber. It's probably your upper middle class, your wealthy elite, so and to the, speak, the, whether the they're government or not. are tied in with the state. I understand that. So I, I'm not defending what happened to this guy. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that it might not have been that he was talking to like I don't think there are average cryptocurrency users in North Korea because they're probably prohibited from doing anything like that. Yeah, so they probably don't even know about cryptocurrency. But in yeah. order for those people to ever learn about cryptocurrency, the the people in government must first learn about cryptocurrency. And it is true that mm. some of the people who have been in government have defected. Uh, there was a really interesting book I was reading while I was in jail on the Crypto 6 charges last year. Uh, you can go to thecrypto6.com to learn more about what's happening to us. But uh, I read a book. Somebody sent me a book uh, written by somebody who was he was like a government poet. So his job was. To, oh, yes. Dear leader. Yes. His uh, his job was to write poetry uh, that glorified the state. And part of his access, his special skills that he had was that he was allowed to read foreign media so the average person cannot in north korea you cannot you can't just subscribe to a south korean newspaper well he couldn't even like he was allowed to read it but only there in his office if he had taken any of it home with him 
He and I think he did at one point. That was what led to all of his need to flee the country in the first place. They were if I recall correctly, yeah. is that he did take some of this home. But even just taking a newspaper clipping home would have been it's high a crime treason. against the state. Yeah. yeah. And so you know, because he was able to read media from outside of North Korea, he kind of was able to open up his mind a little bit more than the average North Korean. Uh, and so, therefore, he ended up con- concluding that he needed to get the hell out of there, uh, and he did, and now he's obviously speaking out. So it certainly could be that his presentation in North Korea could have hit the right people at the right time who are looking to undermine the state. You never know, right? You never know who you're going to reach. But that didn't matter to the judge. The judge in the case, Castle, uh, said this, quote, There is an argument that Virgil Griffith is a kind and thoughtful man. Describing a version of events in which... The judge said this? Yes. And then he sentenced the guy to 50-something months in prison? He doesn't believe that argument. Uh, He says, at great personal sacrifice to himself... Or describing a version of events at which, at great personal sacrifice to himself, Griffith traveled to North Korea to share educational materials about blockchain technology and returned to persecution. But those are not the facts. Those are literally the facts, though. That is not what happened, (laughs) he said. And continued, he said, what you see here is an intentionality and a desire to educate people on how to evade sanctions that's that's literally just rephrasing the first thing he said judge castle read a series of text messages and emails from griffith in which the defendant admits to sharing information with north korea for the express purpose of helping the repressive regime evade sanctions what the judge found most damning perhaps was a photo of griffith presenting at the conference wearing a traditional north korean suit and standing in front of a blackboard on which it read no sanctions with a smiley face Quote, the fact of the matter is Virgil Griffith hoped to come home to Singapore or elsewhere as a crypto hero, to be admired and praised for standing up to government sanctions for his fearlessness and nobility, unquote. The judge blasted Griffith's history of cooperation with the government both before and after his trip to Pyongyang, held up by the defense as evidence of his good nature as narcissism. Quote, this guy is willing to play both sides of the street as long as he is the center of attention, he said. Both the judge and prosecution. I'm glad this judge is stuck in New York, man. He sounds like a real piece of work. They're all over the place, unfortunately. But uh, both the judge and the prosecution referenced the ongoing war in Ukraine, as well as the U.S. government's use of sanctions against Russia to justify the need for a harsh sentence in order to deter Griffith and, quote, similarly situated others, unquote, from future violations of U.S. sanction laws. So he was used as an example just like they did to Ross Ulbricht, sentencing Ross Ulbricht, the man who created a website and went to prison for two life sentences plus 40 years. They did that because they wanted to they wanted to send a message to other people about creating darknet websites, which, of course, has done nothing to stop darknet websites uh, from being created. But they're doing the same thing here. I was reading some article earlier today where it it cited as one of the list of charges against this person. And I don't remember now what the article was about, but among them was using a computer to commit a crime. Yep. Yeah, Ross got that one, I think. That's insane to me because there's no part. The crime, that's like literally just taking a separate crime. Making a separate crime. Yes. Yeah. Making a second crime to throw on top of the first one because there's still only one act there, right? Like, that's right. You're a computer you, nerd. What does it matter if you, you know, brain somebody with a laptop instead of a hammer? <laughs> yeah, 
good good point, yeah. right? Like one of these mafia people, if you you know crack someone's skull open, you know, hammer, okay, that's a, that's a sentence for murder. But if you beat their head open with the Apple computer, <laughs> you used a computer to commit a crime. So that's a special additional charge. Yeah. It's just amazing the the mechanisms the state has in place here to charge people with the crap on top of crap. Sure and is. just keep piling crap on with spurious charges like using a computer to commit a crime. Okay, well, it's already illegal, so why do you have a separate crime to throw at them? It's absurd. Yep, and they're saying that this is going to result in further charges, not for this this man, he's going to prison, uh, but for his co-quote-unquote co-conspirators. Whoever it was that apparently encouraged him to go to North Korea, they may be facing similar charges of so-called conspiracy. More coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. The new fourth edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a forward by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the fourth edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. You can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Apparently, the Monero fans are planning what they're calling a bank run. And we will get into what they've got in mind. What are they up to? The Monero crowd, which is, for listeners that don't know, the world's most, I guess, premier privacy coin as far as cryptocurrencies uh, are concerned. We'll get into that story. I still don't understand with, with privacy coins. How do you know that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing? Well, I don't, but as I understand it, Monero is open source, so people have evaluated the code and confirmed that, you know, as it's programmed, it should be doing what it claims to be doing. But what you don't know is how much there is in circulation necessarily. You don't right. know that. There's certain That's things why you Monero don't know. has no has no market cap, right? Or they no have, supply cap, right? Correct. Well, it's well, it's because there's no limit on that. They could have put a limit on on the, the amount of Monero. Yeah, but we created. would never have any way of knowing if that's that, true. You can't if that verify. limit was reached. Yeah, so you, you can't verify. I understand why they didn't bother to put on the limit. We'll talk about it uh, coming up here. It's an interesting story. Your calls and thoughts are also welcome. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. Coming up uh, tonight as well, Russian bankers want non-custodial crypto wallets. Aria has uh, that story. We'll uh, want the band. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. But first to Sarah in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Sarah. Oh, yes. Uh, I just want to let you know that I got completely banned from the local radio station here. Really? Did they so, ban Raymond, too? No, they, they still let him on. Which station? They won't, they, they, you know what? They have a joke hour, dumb joke hour, and I can't even put on dumb jokes. Your jokes wow. are just they that bad, apparently. Joke rodeo. And, That's what it's and, called. You know, this, they, yeah, maybe it's they called the maybe they really like food. You know. What do you mean? Well, well, I mean, well, they don't want to starve to death, and so I mean, she's a communist. <laughs> ah. So, yeah, Sarah, yeah, what mean, station I mean, are we talking about here? 
Well, I am I allowed to say the number seven seven zero a.m. Okay, KKOB. That's the big talk station. There's a few talk stations in uh, Albuquerque. How do you memorize this stuff, dude? I'm just a radio geek. <laughs> I know, you know but that's what I do. She just spits out, you know, at ra- three random numbers out of out in the middle KKOB. of nowhere in New yeah. Mexico, and you're like, ah, you mean blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, I I know who the program director is there too. As a matter of fact, I've met him a few times at the various different conventions that that I've been to. Uh, we're on Kiva, actually, K-I-V-A, which is our affiliate there in Albuquerque. But there's at least two or three talk radio stations. So you can always call the other ones, Sarah. Well, the, uh, the other ones, uh, they hardly come through. Mm. And the only one that comes through and then you could call in is this station. And, they, and, they consul- can, and then they always brag that they're like the number one radio station because there's no other radio station to listen to in this area. That what did they say over- to you when they actually banned you? Did they tell you? In part, like, did they pick up the phone and say, we don't ever want you calling back? I mean, how did that go? Well, I get, I always get in touch with the call screeners. Mm-hmm. The, they screen the calls, and they all those shows they have they have said that we're not taking your calls anymore, wow. and they hang up on me. Damn. So all they had Candelaria show. They had. So um, I guess all, could you take from this mm-hmm. that communism is not popular? Could you hmm. make that your conclusion? Well, they don't. They don't. They also do not like red light cameras. There was all oh, of the okay. talk shows talk so against smart, the red light cameras. Is what you're saying? These are intelligent they people. They don't like what red light cameras. Oh yeah, yeah. So you're saying these are intelligent people who actually want the best for their uh, listeners by not having to face ridiculous red light fines. But that's not the only thing you call about, Sarah. I mean, you don't. That's not the only topic you call local radio about, is it? Well, I talk about the homeless mm-hmm. uh, camps, and I talk about the. Um, the buses, the transit, the trains, um, all sorts of stuff. Um, but, you know, the, the, oh, right now, all they take is the emails. They have a mm-hmm. email reading hour, and all they could do is the... But you don't do texting. email. Right, and then they have to... They have to they so you're, screen you're and SOL. Text the email. Well, they get email and texting. Yeah, and you and don't do text, the right? Calling show. Well, I do text, but do they text, only sorry. publish what they want to publish. Sure, That's yeah, what I'm yeah. If you get on the air, then you can say what you want, as long as they don't dump you. Have you considered starting your own radio show, Sarah? <laughs> well, you know what? I just want to say thank you to you guys. You're all I you have. You didn't answer right the question, yeah. Sarah. You didn't answer the question. You're really bad at oh, that, the, by the way. <laughs> oh, the radio station. No, I, I got my no, hands not full. a radio station. Obviously, you can't do that because you don't have any money, and it costs money to start a radio station. How do you have your not hands full? Not license. Yeah. You say you have your hands but, uh, full. Uh, with what? Well, yeah, but, I mean, I got my hands full with, you know, what? My every day I do my network marketing. I talk to five people today. So, you know, I just do that for fun. And so I, I have a lot going on. And she's turning into a, a capitalist. Guys. She's going out and trying to sell products. I, I thought, mean, she's in a pyramid scheme like a true hardcore <laughs> capitalist, too, right? <laughs> Good on you for that, Sarah. Well, so embrace it. Embrace the evils of capitalism. What kind of uh, what kind of network marketing? Because some of it's decent, some of it not so much. Well, you know what I like about it is all of our stuff is uh, very environmental. Should answer um, the question. What is it? What kind is it? 
It's yeah. a, it's a, like we have uh, nutritional products, we have home cleaning products, we got skin care products. Don't mix up the two. Do they have a company name? Have they named I'm, the thing? I'm not allowed to say it. Ying could say that. I'm oh. not. I can't say that. I don't remember I the name. Get... She has. She has mentioned it. So wait, are you saying, Sarah, that uh, you've become a distributor of this product? Because before. Whenever you brought this up, you would always say, "Oh no, I'm just a customer. I'm not a distributor. I'm not trying." Is this galactose? No, no, no. I galactose think that's one of their products. products. Are you galactose um, intolerant? No. Sir, I'm confused. <laughs> well, what what are you selling people that you wouldn't be allowed to advertise to a nationally syndicated radio show? Well, it don't want my, me to get free commercials. That's what's keeping me from saying Let it. Let me explain this better than, than Sarah. A lot of these network marketing companies have restrictions on how you can market their products. It seems counterproductive, right? But they actually say to their distributors, thou shalt not advertise on broadcast radio. Thou shalt not, you know, so on and so on. There's a whole bunch of prohibitions. You're only supposed right. to do it person to person. So that's why Sarah is being reticent uh, to reveal for whom it is that she is a distributor. I, I think that she's she honestly is trying to follow the sure. rules here rather than... Um, but you did mention them before, Sarah. So can you answer my question of before you used to say, well, I'm just a customer. Did you start as a customer and then decide to sign up as a distributor? Well, so actually, I'm not signed up technically as a customer or a distributor. Huh? Richard is a customer, and he's trying to market, and we, he can't get nobody signed up. Okay, hold on. Is it so Richard or Raymond? Of, well, the, the Richard Raymond is his mm, middle name. Uh, and and that name. answers my question as to whether what kind of organization it is, because... If if what you're looking to do is sign people up, then it's a pyramid scheme. If you're actually, I did Amway when mm -hmm. I was a teenager, and uh, I did one of them too. When you I was know, young. and if you're if you're trying to actually sell something, and the and that's that's a different matter, and that's more or less how some people approached Amway that way, and they have. Uh, some really good products. I mean, my mother swears by their uh, uh, some of their laundry detergent and such. Yeah, um, well, if they don't have a good product, then you need to run the hell away from a network marketing company. Some of them are just selling opportunities, and they're just selling money distribution, and they're total scams from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, nobody's others kind of janky and questionable, mm -hmm. but maybe they've got a decent product, but they're marketing it in a really questionable manner. Uh, it sounds See, if you have the right product, network marketing could be extremely effective. It could be. It sounds to me like Sarah is trying to play some kind of a game where she's acting like she's not, a, or like Richard isn't a distributor, but he actually is a distributor. It's like, come right out and just be honest with people about what it is you're doing. Thank you for the call tonight. There's more coming up here. 603-283-6160. You can join us. This is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Phones are open here, and you can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Aria. Uh, you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. 
You know, we haven't talked a lot about cryptocurrency uh, in recent weeks, but I did want to get into this story about Monero. There's a few interesting headlines in the crypto world today. We already talked about the Ethereum developer who's going to prison for more than five years for simply giving a presentation uh, over in North Korea, which is an insane story. You're certainly welcome to comment on that. But now the Monero fans are talking about doing a bank run, quote-unquote. And although this actually doesn't have to do with the banks, it has to do with the group of companies that really, really wants to be like the banks. I love this idea, right? And I hope they're not just saying, hey, we need to pull all of our Monero off the exchanges or whatever. I hope they're trying to create a wider movement where everyone pulls their crypto off of exchanges mm. at once to see if the first of all if the exchanges really have it or and b to punish them for being evil had you already heard about this story no okay cause it's interesting because you asked the question do the exchanges really have it and that's where they're is- banks i mean the, I, I would not be at all surprised if coinbase doesn't actually have the cryptocurrency that they're supposed to have that's where they're coming from on this. Now, the uh, this comes back to what we were talking about before, where Monero is the privacy coin, sort of the top privacy coin. There are a bunch of privacy coins in the world of cryptocurrency, but Monero, I believe, was the first ever, and it's the biggest one. It's in the top 50 of the, the coins out there right now. It used to be in the top 20, but I don't think it's... I think it's in like the 30s range. I'm surprised it's falling. Yeah, a lot of the useful coins have been falling. Bitcoin Cash, Monero, Dash. Dash is like around number 80-something or 90, somewhere in that hmm. range. This uh, phenomenon will fix itself. What's replacing them? All the speculative stuff. Cardano. Mm. Shiba Inu, which is a total you know meme coin. Uh, anyway, so Monero is a privacy coin, and as we pointed out, uh, just a few moments ago on the show, we talked about how you cannot see the uh, Monero transactions, so you cannot know for sure how many Monero there are in circulation. If you mm-hmm. go and you look at Coin Market Cap or Coin Gecko, which are two of the more popular tracking sites where they show you all the different cryptos that are out there, the thousands of them, and you can you can look at them and see how many. For most coins, you can see how many coins there are. In the marketplace, how many are coming out, you know, every day or every 10 minutes or whatever. You can get all these statistics for most cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash included. But with Monero, you cannot get that information. You have no idea what the circulating amount of Monero is. You don't know how much is being mined into existence. They tell you what's supposed to be happening with the mining. So in theory, you could kind of cook up an estimate, but you don't know for sure. It makes me feel better knowing that you can't know for sure I, uh, as well. I mean, it makes me feel better knowing that no one can know for sure. Well, being able to audit a cryptocurrency does have its benefits because then you know what you're dealing with. And that's one of the reasons well, why can some... audit the code. And well, that's true. You can audit the code, but there's no way to know whether the code that you're reading is actually what's running on miners machines. Hmm. That's true. Well, um, and that's one of the reasons why some people don't want to use Monero is because they're afraid of the fact that they just don't know everything about it. That said, for the people that that's are... That's a into, silly reason not to want to use Monero. I tend to agree, but uh, for some people, they are now fed up with these centralized exchanges. A group of Monero enthusiasts, according to Decrypt.co, is saying they're planning an XMR. XMR is the little short code for Monero. Bank run on April 18th, which that's today. Well, that's uh, only going to affect, like, Kraken and Binance, right? Any centralized exchange that has Monero. 
which there aren't that many of them. Not in the U.S., at least. Yeah, Bitrex got rid of it, I know. That's right. Yeah, a couple of years ago now. Uh, the so-called Monerun, as in Monero Run, Monerun, on eighth, the eighth anniversary of the coin's launch is a reaction to what community members see as a lack of transparency over Monero, including allegations that central exchanges... Okay, I think it's ironic that the uh, producers of an opaque coin are complaining about a lack of, compa- uh, lack of transparency. They're specifically complaining regarding the exchanges. Uh-huh. So they're saying that centralized exchanges have, by the way, suspended Monero withdrawals and are misrepresenting reserves. So that's very disturbing because it's really they sucks. shouldn't even have reserves. That's just how we get a new form of fractional reserve banking. They should well, just have I mean, the amount of cryptocurrency your, your they're supposed to have. Are, are the amount you have. That's I what. Think. Yeah, that's what they're saying here. They're they're saying that um, a reserve would be the amount of customer deposits in the case of okay. a centralized exchange. But they believe that they're overrepresenting their reserves and selling Monero that they basically don't have. Quote, I think they're probably doing that with every cryptocurrency. But the rest of them you can look at. That's the difference. If you want to go to Binance's, uh, their Binance's uh, cold storage address and see how many Bitcoin they have in there, you can do that. They but publish you, their wallet addresses? You can follow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make a deposit to Binance, and you can follow the coins and see where they go. And and a lot of these uh, these exchanges' wallets are publicly known. So some of the um, some of the block explorers out there, for listeners that don't know, a block explorer is a website where you can go and you can look at the blockchain. And the blockchain being the public ledger of transactions for most coins like Bitcoin and and these others. Monero does not have the ability to be observed in any meaningful sense unless you have the specific keys to look at one specific transaction. Schrodinger's coin. And so, therefore, you cannot know for sure how many Monero the exchange has, which would mean they could be selling Monero that they don't have. But they could be doing this with other cryptocurrencies as well, just by saying, oh, no, we actually have other wallets. They could. You're right about that. But it's at least somewhat auditable. Anyway... Uh, one of their security engineers, Seth Simmons, wrote on Twitter, quote, It's looking more and more like exchanges are paper trading Monero and lying about how much they have to customers. Opt out. Get those keys off exchanges and actually own your Monero. Why would said. you even have Monero if you were just going to keep it on an exchange? I don't know. I understand you, ha- you have to go to the exchange to buy it, but why not immediately withdraw it? And, and this is a good question. I want to have a privacy coin, but I want to have it in the least private way possible. <laughs> right. And where it's not even actually mine. So I don't even want to have a privacy coin. I just want to be able to say, hey, look, guys, in theory, I technically can access per some conditions. Yeah, if they don't freeze withdrawals. <laughs> well, Monero was actually... To, to be fair, among the coins that I was day trading back mm-hmm. in the day, so uh, I did have Monero and I did have it on on an exchange, and uh, the reason is because I didn't have it because it was well, I had it partially because it was a it was a privacy coin, but because I thought that that was going to come into vogue, um, not and yet, and that it would be profitable. Yeah, maybe maybe someday it will. But that does give a I good excuse. I think it inevitably will. That is a good reason why somebody would keep coins on an exchange is if they're constantly trading them, right? Yeah. That makes that makes some sense. Uh, but that said, these exchanges cannot be trusted. 
And as one of them pointed out on Reddit, quote, we're withdrawing Monero from exchanges, a person named Body Anarchist wrote on r slash cryptocurrency. He said further, any exchange that hasn't disabled withdrawals, which many of them have already, we're pulling our funds, he said. And that was up. Are the exchanges halting withdrawals as a response to the run on Monero? I don't know. Or is it unrelated? Good question. That much is not clear. He wrote that the obfuscated ledger technology for Monero has made it possible for exchanges to misrepresent their reserves and sell Monero that they don't actually hold. He said exchanges can do this because they believe most Monero holders won't seek to withdraw their funds. And why they would believe that, I don't know. Maybe there really is a huge problem in crypto where people just do not know how to run their own wallets. I suspect that is a huge problem in crypto. Hmm. I would speculate that that problem exists in most places that aren't New Hampshire and maybe Tokyo. Mm. So now members of the Monero community are coordinating efforts to withdraw their Monero from as many exchanges as possible to see if they're right. The 32nd largest cryptocurrency by market cap at about $4.2 billion. According to CoinMarketCap.com, Monero uh, was a privacy coin launched in 2014. From a hard fork of Bytecoin, Monero means coin in Esperanto, the international language invented in the 19th century. And it's currently, as of this weekend, was trading for around $237. And then they get into a little bit more about zero-knowledge proofs and uh, so on. One more tweet from another supporter, quote, What better way to celebrate the birth of true digital cash than to coordinate a centralized exchange Monero bank run? And i got to say, I support this. I think, uh, I think every cryptocurrency should do it, not just Monero. Yeah. Get all of your cryptocurrency off of the exchanges. Not not just to audit them and make sure they actually have it, just because it's a better idea for you to have it. Yeah, than, for, for the principle yeah. of self-custody of your funds. These exchanges can be targeted by governments. They can be targeted by hackers. And they are just not safe in any way, shape, or form. The number is 603-283-6160. They can also just freeze your account at any time that they want to and force you to jump through all kinds of hoops just to get back into it. It's ridiculous. More coming up. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can join us here, the number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Photos are showing up on social media tonight of people who are on airlines that are getting announcements over the cabin radio system where pilots are saying to the, uh, the, the the folks that are flying, you can take your masks off. The mask mandate nice. is over. So nice. Yeah. And it's not technically yet. Uh, that are, there's, a, there's a delay on that order, I believe, right? I mean, probably due to courts or whatever, but if it's... Yeah. You know, obviously, these airlines don't think they're going to be enforced at this point. So nice. they're telling their uh, their passengers it's over. And there's uh, pictures of smiling people and rows and rows of uh, airline seats that are just Sitting happy. There with so, their epidermis hanging out. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like one of these one of these fake scenes that people are always talking about. Like, you know, people threw their mask into the air and they were mm-hmm. they were smiling and cheering. So it's almost like one of those sources. So people were mm. really anxious to get these stupid things off their faces. Look, guys, all you ever but had to do... But they were still wearing them, which I don't that, understand. That's, that's yeah, what I was about to part. say. All they ever had to do was pull them off. Yep. That's it. Yeah. It's just a piece of cloth. Take it off. Nancy Reagan 
Just say no. <laughs> That's right. Well, unfortunately... Well, of course, if you do that on an airplane, you will probably experience some violence, the truth be told. Could be, or they might just not let you on in the first place, which is why most people will put it on, because they're under the belief that the airlines are going to be the enforcers of these mandates. That said, I did read uh, posts on Twitter from one crypto girl who was claiming that she went around airports and boarded airlines without wearing masks multiple times and was only spoken to i think on maybe one occasion by somebody at the gateway and she put the she put the mask on briefly in order to get past that person and then proceeded to remove it uh after she got past that person and had no further issues i will admit that i was one of these people who you know once i stepped into the airport i put the stupid mask on and i didn't take it off until i stepped out of the airport except to take drinks and stuff like that it was annoying but I did have a flight that I needed to catch, yeah. right? It, it would have been more of an inconvenience to miss the flight or to get kicked off the flight than it would have been to put the stupid diaper on. You can't, you can't even get me into an airport. I, I've barely flown since 9-11. Nice. I think maybe once or twice. I, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I only flew once during the COVID situation. It was when I went down to pick Bonnie up and drive back here. So I didn't actually do a round trip. I just did a one one way down to San Antonio. So my ex- my intention was to experiment and see, you know, push the boundaries a little bit and see what I could get away with on the flight, the first flight. So it was a two-leg flight, so one, one layover. On the first flight over, uh, I had the mask beneath my nose the entire time. Yeah, it's just a, it just made people feel better to see you wearing it, right? No one ever said anything like, hey, excuse me, that's not effective. Yeah, no one said that to me. I was curious to see if that would happen. Of course it's not. It's a paper-freaking mask. <laughs> You're trying to stop a virus. That's like trying to stop a plague of locusts with a chain-link fence. While sitting in the airport waiting for the plane, I did have a bottle of water with me, so I had the mask off the entire time. I would just have it hanging by my ear or something like that. Sure. Um, and then while I was on the second leg of the flight, it was a more empty flight. There weren't a ton of people on the, the second flight. I took the mask off the whole time for that flight, but just made sure I had the bottle of water nearby. And then whenever the uh, the flight attendants would be walking by, I might take a sip from the, the bottle. And no one said anything to me. In that Sounds case. like a drinking game. Whenever the flight attendant comes, you have to take a drink. <laughs> and this was a year ago. This would have been January of 2021 before the raid happened. So that. Uh, anyway, if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. So that's the good news. The flight mandates for masks are gone. We were talking about the Monero folks doing what they're calling a bank run, not on banks that are the traditional banks that you might think of. We're, th- we're talking about the new banks, the centralized exchanges, many of whom would like to actually be a bank, as we found out with uh, the Kraken exchange that had moved their home offices to Wyoming simply because they wanted to have a more crypto-friendly legal atmosphere in which to operate. And Wyoming allows for what's called a special depository institution to be created. And Mm -hmm. they went ahead and they created that. So they're one of two companies, I believe, thus far in Wyoming that has moved forward Mm -hmm. with basically becoming an actual bank. Well, that really needs to be done because the... uh the liquidity and the ability to get money in and out of crypto is vital to the acceptance of crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I wouldn't want to be the guy who had to jump through the hoops and 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 deal with the paperwork. But 
I'm glad somebody's doing it. Yeah, I don't blame them for doing it. And to the guy who uh, is the CEO of Kraken's Defense, I think his name is Jesse Powell. I, I follow him on Twitter, and he's very libertarian in the mm, the, the sure. things that he posts. He's hardcore. I would say he's a hardcore voluntarist-sounding uh, character. But mm. unfortunately, even he admits, he has posted publicly, if the government comes at us, we have to do what they say. Your funds are not safe with us. He basically told his customers, uh, I think it was late last year, that you need to get your funds off of mm-hmm. our exchange. Now, that he was said this year. something uh, was during the trucker the... riot, too, didn't That's he? what it was. Or trucker Sorry. protest. Yeah, it was this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we read that on the air. Uh, so kudos to It was a surprising him. statement. Yeah, kudos to him for that. But again, as he admitted, they are completely controlled by the state, and they have to do whatever it is that they're told to do. So yeah. I, I support... Well, you don't put a, put together a, you know, a, a multi-million or billion-dollar company, I don't know how big it is, and it's then big. just look to, have, to give it away to the state. Yeah. Especially if you're a libertarian. Who wants to give the state a billion dollars to use to be tyrants? That's a great point. Well, it's an interesting question, right? Like, if you are a cryptocurrency believer, how do you get cryptocurrency into the hands of the masses? And I, yeah, A, they have to first want the cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. right? They have to be able to spend it somewhere or something like that. That cryptocurrency in just a decade has come as far as it did, as it has. It's amazing when you stop to think about it. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Well, we tried to do uh, to help people get cryptocurrency into their hands, and we were targeted by the government and taken down and assets confiscated and now facing dozens of years behind bars for our efforts. So if you want to learn more at thecrypto6.com, you can go and do that. But I do support what the Monero fans are doing with this withdraw your Monero from the exchanges. I like what you say, Aria. Withdraw everything from the exchange. The only If you're going to use a centralized exchange, the only thing you should have on that centralized exchange is the crypto that you intend to trade. And once you're done trading it, you should get it off of that exchange immediately. Because there is, it is way too risky to leave that in their hands. And I would expect Monero people to be aware of that, right? I would expect the average person who's like into Monero enough to even be aware of the Monero run yeah. would know that the exchanges can't be trusted. I would hope so. And what I want to see happen in the next couple of years, and I think things are going in this direction, is to see the rise of the decentralized exchange. Uh, we are starting to see it in the... Um, the event of this Thor chain that has come out over the last few years, it really started to take off last year. There were a couple of hacks that happened over the summer. They opened up uh, and, and got some audits going on for their code, and they have reached levels of success that I think a lot of people didn't see coming. Uh, they've added new chains. They added Dogecoin to uh, to Thor chain. They're adding more as uh, as time goes on. And it's a very exciting thing because it allows people to exchange for the first time ever major cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, and others. Uh, Binance Coin, I believe, as well. Think and they- there is still that basic question of, okay, that's that's great, but how does one take a dollar and get that's some sort problem. of crypto? But there are Bitcoin vending machines and crypto vending machines all throughout the United States. Yep. And then there's stuff like um, the, the coin things that they have everywhere. What are they called? Coinstar. Coinstars. Yes. You can get cryptocurrency at those now. That's what I've yeah. heard. I mean, the way to think about it, though, is it, it costs like 10, 15 percent 
to get the money off an exchange through a uh, Bitcoin vending machine. Uh, Bitcoin vending machine. So you're effectively giving away 15% of a coin's value when you send it to an exchange. Uh, there's more coming up here. You mean the, the crypto vending machine. There's more coming up here. Uh, you can join us. Bring up whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. You can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Arya. Lots of interesting stuff in the news. Uh, in the crypto world, we're sharing with you the Monero fans are planning what they're calling a bank run. They're going to be withdrawing their Monero from centralized exchanges. At least the exchanges that are allowing people to withdraw their Monero. Apparently, according to some of the Monero fans, many of these centralized exchanges have, quote-unquote, paused withdrawals for Monero, which is very suspicious. Do they have any excuse for that? Because, uh, you know, it, it. I mean, that's not the kind of customer service that I would want from a... Uh, from an exchange, if if I, it's not what I would want, but it's what I would expect. If there's mm-hmm. Monero that belongs to me, I expect to be able to withdraw it. Yeah, I don't know, nobody, what they uh, those exchanges would be saying. Usually, it, with my experience on centralized exchanges, usually if if a withdrawal is frozen, the excuse is usually upgrades. So and it, sometimes it's true. Like if there's an upgrade to the Monero network, for instance, if there's a new client that's that's come out, then yeah, the exchange does need to implement that on their backend system to be up to date with with how that thing is running. I don't know if that's going on with Monero right now, um, but uh, it certainly is very suspicious that multiple exchanges are freezing withdrawals. And mm. and the the fact is, just like with a bank, when you put money into a bank. It's quote-unquote yours, but you have no control over it. So if the bank wants to you know, put it on hold for some amount of time, there's very little that you can do besides complain to them about that. You are giving them custody of your funds. And the same thing's true with these crypto exchanges. I mean, a lot of these crypto exchanges have you know, delays built into the system where they have a schedule where they only process withdrawals three or four times a day, something along those lines. That's true, yeah. Some do. So I would be very surprised to find that you know there there are multiple worldwide exchanges offering Monero, and they're not using these sorts of schemes where oh we only process withdrawals four times a day. So mm-hmm. it's it's possible some of these people are like oh look they put they put a hold on my withdrawal, but no really they just process you know withdrawals at noon and midnight or whatever. No, I don't think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about exchanges where it's completely blocked out, where you cannot. You can have the Monero on the exchange. You can trade it into something else on the exchange. You just can't withdraw it from the exchange. Mm. And so the question is, when will they loosen that up? When will they allow withdrawals again? Well, if they are scamming, if these exchanges are being dishonest, as the the Monero fans believe, and they don't actually have the Monero that they are representing that they have, then they definitely don't want you to be able to withdraw it, do they? That's Mm. an important question. You know, if the exchanges did not 
have the Monero that they were supposed to have, how would they behave? What would they do when people began attempting to withdraw Monero? Well, they would exactly what they're doing. Yes, yeah. exactly what they're Very doing. Suspicious. So I did mention Thorchain as an alternative. We've heard of decentralized exchanges before. Uh, there have been. Let's see. There's a bunch of them in Ethereum. So there's a ton of them. There's Uniswap. There's, uh, let's see, SushiSwap is another one. AirSwap was one of the first ERC-20 tokens that I ever was really, like, interested in. Mm -hmm. Interested enough to actually take part in its ICO, its initial coin offering, where you could buy it cheaply. Man, I lost so much money on that stupid thing. Crashed and burned. (laughs) It worked. For other useless Ethereum tokens that no one else wanted. Did it go away? Is the thing there still? I don't know. I imagine it still exists. Not that you could go and legally look because we're all on ridiculous bail conditions. But I'm still able to research these things and I'm interested in uh, in following the development, especially of decentralized finance, because uh, for listeners that aren't familiar, DeFi, as they call it, decentralized finance is a term that came about within the last couple of years so after the whole ethereum ico craze that happened that you mentioned the initial coin offering uh, oh i'm glad that craze went away i mean it's an nft craze now but it's that's going to go away eventually too after the uh the ico craze this whole DeFi thing really started to come out and take off and it's a very interesting world uh decentralized finance as opposed to centralized finance so centralized finance would be a company like a bank where you would go and ask if you can get a loan and maybe put your car title up for collateral or whatever to get the to get the loan and uh, decentralized finance is where you don't have to ask anyone. All you have to do is have the collateral. And if you have the collateral, you can get a loan in some other form of crypto. So this is one example. I never just understood that, though. If you have the collateral, why do you need the loan? Let me explain that. It's a good question. Liquidity. Well, do you want to try explaining that? Um, no, go ahead. Okay, so from my understanding... If you have, let's say you have bitcoins, okay, okay, and you need dollars, maybe you want to buy something with dollars, and you don't want to get rid of your bitcoins because you're expecting the bitcoin price to go up over time, right? A safe so, bet. So if the bitcoins are fifty thousand dollars a bitcoin, and today they're like forty one or something, forty thousand dollars, but let's just say just for even number, fifty thousand dollars a bitcoin, uh, you can then go to one of these decentralized finance sites and flip your bitcoins into dollars on a certain ratio so like you might only get 50 percent of the value so let's say you got one whole bitcoin fifty thousand dollars and the site says all right well we'll give you twenty five thousand dollars worth of uh, usdt or some sort of dollar token for it and so what happens is they hold your bitcoin and they give you the twenty five thousand dollars and so now you can do whatever you want to do. You're going to invest a biz- in a business or buy a boat or whatever it was you were going to do with that, with that cash. And as long as you can pay the loan off at some point with whatever the interest is that they're charging, you get your Bitcoin back. So it's a way okay. to sort of use your Bitcoin without actually selling your Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, if the Bitcoin value goes up over time, as you're expecting, well, you only have to pay off the $25,000, right? Now, Bitcoin's $100,000 yeah. in value, but you only have to pay off your $25,000 loan plus, you know, let's say $1,000 in, in fees, and then you get your $100,000 Bitcoin back. So basically, you, it, uh, when you do that with a stock, it's called short selling. Okay, you borrow shares of the stock from your broker, 
okay, and you sell them, and you take the money and you do whatever you're going to do, and your liability is denominated in the stock. So if the stock goes way down, quick like a bunny, you buy it up and send 50 shares back to the uh, back to your broker that cost a fraction of of what you uh, of of what you got when you originally borrowed and sold it. So that's how short selling works. But this is a little different. Well, you're short selling the dollar. Yeah, in DeFi, you're repaying the amount in USD. Like you can't. You're not repaying a Bitcoin. Correct. You're repaying twenty five thousand dollars. Unless you're borrowing worth. Bitcoin. Which you can also do with with DeFi. So you could, if you've got a bunch of Which USD, put you in a short position against Bitcoin. Yeah. So there's more coming up here. Uh, it's it's very interesting. But the the key to this is to don't ask anyone's permission. You don't have to sit in front of a banker or a loan officer or something like that. You don't have to fill out any forms. They don't even know who you are. All they know is you're somebody that's got the collateral. So they hold the collateral. If the cost of the Bitcoin goes down, then your collateral gets liquidated and the loan is is gone. There's more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us here. You can bring up whatever's on your mind at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We do have our social media site. You can go to social.freetalklive.com, interact with other Free Talk Live listeners while you're there. Other hosts are posting there as well. Once again, that's social.freetalklive.com. Here tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Aria. We're talking a little bit about decentralized finance and kind of what it is. Uh, and I by no means am a full-on expert at, at this. I just know a few things about it. Uh, but the idea is to get away from centralized institutions providing people with financial services. And one area that they're really shining in is collateralized loans. As long as you have some collateral, you can get another form of cryptocurrency without actually having to exchange it. And one of the other benefits to this, Aria, is a tax benefit. So for people that um, are very concerned with capital gains taxes on um, if you purchase Bitcoin at a low price and then sell it at a higher price, the government claims that they own a piece of that profit in that case. But if you get a loan using that Bitcoin as collateral, that is not a sale and therefore, as I understand it, this isn't legal advice, but I'm not, a, I'm not a tax doctor or whatever. But as I understand it, that is not a sale of Bitcoin. It is a loan. And so therefore, it does not fall into capital gains because you have to pay it back at some point. And so it's a way for you to get dollars, dollars of value out of your Bitcoin or other crypto without becoming subject to capital gains and reporting to the IRS in that case. So that's another benefit to decentralized finance. I don't know if I would want to make that argument to the IRS personally, but I, I could see that benefit. The, to me, It's the, a pretty, pretty accepted viewpoint. Uh, there's companies that basically do this for a living, okay. and they've done the research. Yeah, also, a loan is not a taxable event. Right. So that's, that's another real benefit here. And again, doing all of this without asking anybody's permission. Well, presumably, you don't need a license to give someone Bitcoin. 
Yeah, and one of the actually related stories that I have here tonight is that one of these centralized loan providers, so there's DeFi, which is decentralized finance, but that there's still centralized finance going on, and there's centralized finance in the world of cryptocurrency. So there's centralized finance in the world of banks, which we're all used to and we know about, but there's also centralized corporations that are doing loans in crypto with the same sort of idea of you give them bitcoin they give you dollars in return except they're a centralized hub uh and they therefore can be targeted by the state and so i want to get into a story about what's happening to one of those companies i mean it's almost really easy to exploit this right i mean if you if you firmly believe as i imagine most people do that the value of bitcoin is going to go up at least in the long run Mm -hmm. it's it's fairly Easy to exploit it. Say you need to borrow a hundred thousand dollars, borrow a hundred and fifty thousand, put fifty thousand of that into Bitcoin that you hold, so that you can sell it later if you need to, in order to pay back the initial loan that you took out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, you could. You you can definitely do that. Um, I was telling Ian on on the break though, there is a downside to short sales, which is when you invest in something. Uh, by buying it, okay, you can only lose the amount of money that you put in. But if you take on a, a liability that's denominated in, say, GM shares, say you borrow um, you know, $10,000 worth of GM and you sell it because you think GM is going to go down, well, if GM doubles it, then you've lost twice what you thought you were investing. Uh, it's like well, investing that's the in a stock here, right? that, go, that can go down past zero. And that's why you may have to put up $50,000 worth of Bitcoin if you want to borrow $25,000. That way you can lose half of its value before they before they sell it off and liquidate. Well, right. Here liquidate. you'll get liquidated in this case. So if, right. uh, if you've put in Bitcoin at half of its value and it goes down to that, that half point, then your assets get liquidated and the loan gets called and that's it. So you're, right. you're protected uh, in, that, in that way here. But it would probably be a... Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Let's go to Jack. He's in uh, Washington. Jack, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Now, earlier, uh, you guys were talking about taxes. Uh-huh. The government gang has the guns. Yes, they so do. we're kind of in a weird position where they're kind of robbing the bank as they wish. It's well, they're working together. You mean the I mean, the government's the, robbing banks. Yeah, the state works they're with the banks. banks. They're robbing. They're they're what they're doing is they're protecting the banks' monopoly so the banks can rob us. Correct. But any time the government can say, "I want more money. I want seven more percent," and what are we going to say? It doesn't matter if you're uh, Elon Musk or you're Joe Schmo or. Anybody. Are you talking about if they were to do a haircut on people's bank accounts? Is that what you're referring to? Just in general. They can ask for anything they want. You're talking about taxes. Well, they don't Mm -hmm. ask, right? With taxes, they don't ask. They just take. uh, And they They threaten and they they use violence. This is why we advocate cryptocurrency, though, because we are aware that governments and banks conspire together to rob from the average person. And we oppose that. We have one of those electromagnetic pulses or whatever. 
I'm what sure if, that's a common. Well, what then if an your asteroid, bank is screwed too. Yeah. What if an asteroid <laughs> hits the Earth tomorrow? What kind of question is that? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I mean, I'll answer yeah. the question, though. I mean, it is something some people are concerned about. There are weaponries, and the sun can do things that are nasty. Uh, but as long as there's a physical, uh, like an, an actual stored hard drive with the Bitcoin blockchain on it, at least a couple of them on the entire planet, the Bitcoin blockchain can be restarted once all the you know electronics come back on again. So you have to wait. You wait for the power to come back on. Yeah, I mean, I makes sense. Dude, if the That's power right, gets wiped out because of a supernova or whatever, your Bitcoin is going <laughs> to be the smallest problem. of your problems. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you're going to have a hard time hitting the ATM. That's for sure. Jack, anything yeah, else you want yeah. to share tonight? Um, no. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank hearing you, from I... you tonight. The number is 603-283-6160. So there is a company that I've mentioned before on the air. It was actually probably back before the raids happened. Uh, called Celsius, and there's another one called Nexo, and there's a few others where they- Celsius is one of these. They loan cryptocurrency, or they loan right, right. Yeah. Just like we were talking about with decentralized finance, these guys do the same thing, where you can deposit Bitcoin or other cryptos with them, and they would give you uh, it just for if you just deposit, they would just give you a return. You'd get like a an APY basically, and then they use that to, to loan out to other people. And they actually give you a decent interest rate versus a bank, which is like point zero zero two five percent or some nonsense like that. These, these they did Bitcoin. Oh. That's the news. So Celsius. Oh, I don't know. I'm not on the. I'm not on the site at this time. Sure. But uh, but the news is that Celsius, one of the two biggies, uh, is now only allowing verified accredited investors in the United States to add coins to their earn accounts starting on April 15th, while users outside the country will be unaffected. So if you're an international mm-hmm. user. They're still going to be doing what they were doing, but in the United States, you now have to be a verified and credited mm-hmm. investor, which basically means you have to be a millionaire or, yeah, see, or use a VPN. Accredited in investing, it's one of the the things that I'm kind of amazed they get away with. Basically, if you're not if you're not already rich, they won't let you invest. That's right. In a lot of things, you want to get into a startup, you better be able to prove you're raw, you're rich. Yep. Because if you're not rich, they're not going to let you get rich. Exactly. And these guys were paying like ten percent mm-hmm. APY or more on their. But they're not KYCing people, right? They're not asking. Yes, for- they are. Why? Because they're you centralized finance. Yeah, but you don't need someone's ID in order to take a Bitcoin but from them. But they do and to get because they're regulated by the state. So this is why these centralized finance companies do not have a future, at least in the United States. And decentralized finance is the solution to these problems. Because you can make an APY. It ain't 10% with uh, decentralized. It might be like 2% or something. But it's still better than a damn bank account in, uh, in every case. There's more coming up. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. You can join us at 603-283-6160. We're talking about some of the changes in the world of cryptocurrency affecting centralized finance corporations, companies like Celsius, which is now no longer going to be offering any kind of earn feature for U.S.-based users. It used to be that you could take your cryptocurrency. Oh, so even if you already have cryptocurrency on their platform 
They're actually going to grandfather those people in. Okay. According to this announcement, so those people are still going to be okay for now. See, I don't know that it that that's a good thing, but getting grandfathered never sounds like a good experience to me i got grandfathered oh you poor bastard um, yeah and who knows for how long that'll be the case they may still decide to flip off those features later on for those people but for listeners that aren't familiar celsius is a company mm-hmm. like some of their competitors nexo uh and others that allow deposits in cryptocurrency and then they give an apy to those people who are depositing that crypto and you can you can earn mm-hmm. some interest on it now of course the downside is you're trusting them with your coins you're trusting a centralized company just like a bank you trust them with your dollars this would be trusting some company that wants to be a bank uh with your bitcoin if they go out of business the next day you may never see your bitcoin again if they get raided by the government you may never see your bitcoin again so it's a highly risky endeavor but that said they should be allowed to exist but according to their announcement uh last week celsius said they are going to uh Stop allowing their customers to deposit into the earn accounts as of this last Friday unless you are an accredited investor. Then you'll be able to continue uh, to do it, according to the press release. They say I the don't know what that means. An accredited ev- investor is basically someone who's proven himself to be rich enough to be allowed to uh, take risks. Yeah, you basically have to have like a million dollars worth of wealth in order to be an accredited investor. And you have to have some accountant essentially testify that you have X, Y, and Z assets and and then you're accredited. Who, who, who does this accrediting? The accountant, I believe, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. exactly how that works. Celsius said the changes to its products... How does the- a system like this get set up? By the government. The feds. The SEC, for instance. But you would think in that case they would be the ones doing the accrediting. Who, the government? Yeah. No, they don't have the... I mean, the bureaucracy would be too insane. That's true. They they do the fascism thing, which is to let private accountants right. do the accrediting. Celsius said the changes to their products were the result of ongoing discussions with United States regulators. In 2021, some state-level regulators moved forward with cease-and-desist orders against the platform for allegedly offering unlicensed securities with their interest-earning accounts. Mm-hmm. Now, the yeah. thing that made America for a while the richest country in the world is that we were the freest country in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's no longer the case. So what's going to happen is you're going to find that people in other countries, basically other countries are, as a result of this kind of thing, are going to get richer yep. and Americans are going to get poorer. Because they don't have the opportunities. Yep. So it's kind of like they're doing what they're doing to Putin, only they're doing it to us, cutting us off from opportunity. The CEO of Celsius said, our industry is going through a paradigm shift. That's a nice way of saying we're getting screwed. Uh, He says, in line with recent regulatory guidance, there will be changes to the way our earned product will work for users based in the United States. And regulatory guidance, for those who don't know, is the government saying, hey, look, this is this is what we're going to regulate, or this is how we're going to interpret the regulations that don't actually apply, and it's going to punish you if you don't Play ball with us. Yep. That's what a regulatory guidance is. It's a warning that they're about to crack down. It's on like you. mafia guidance. Do what we tell you or we will have you killed. Exactly. 
Uh, Texas State Securities Board targeted Celsius's accounts in September of 2021, and there was a cease and desist order from the New Jersey Bureau of Securities related to the, quote, sale of unregistered securities, unquote. Now, I don't know what exactly a security is, but I think it has something to do with something that could... Security is what the government robs you of every day. I think that uh, from a financial perspective, a security is something that could go up in value, right? That uh, that a company offers you. Don't get me lying, dude. Um, right? My my understanding is that a security is like something that secures um, secures a debt. Mm. The government um, doesn't seem to know what a security is either, and this is why they're going after the library founder Jeremy right. Kaufman, accusing the library credit, the LBC. Of being a security. Yeah, I think it has mm-hmm. to be tied to like the success uh, or failure of the company or something like that. And the library token isn't per se in that way. So library has been fighting that for like spending millions of dollars on attorneys and fighting with the SEC. And it's been going on for four years at this point. Mm-hmm. So It's been going on long enough that the, the Facebook memories before I recently deactivated did pop up with old screenshots that Jeremy Kaufman had shared of some of these questions where they asked him, can you tell us why you had a website yep. and other silly nonsense like that? Like this, mm-hmm. your tax dollars at work people is the government asking Jeremy Kaufman why he had a website for people to learn about his company. But win or lose, they've succeeded in setting technological progress back by years. Right. And so here's the thing. So even if this company disagrees with the state's accusation that it's selling securities it's easier for them to just say well we're just not going to do business with new jersey people well we're just not going to do business with uh, texas people and now they're just saying we're not going to do business with anyone in the united states at this point rather than fight and spend millions of dollars trying to continue this marketplace they're just walking away from it Anyway, there's a little bit more here. They have roughly $23 billion in assets under management, apparently, at this company, and have allegedly paid out more than $912 million in yield since 2018. The rates for their interest-earning product, if you could get it, if you're not in the United States or are an accredited investor, are upwards of 18.63% APY for cryptocurrencies and 7.1%. That's pretty good. And 7.1% on many stable coins. In fact, some people would say it's too good to be true, and there are allegations mm-hmm. that this company, you know, might not be um, totally honest with their books. Is that 18% payable in crypto, crypto. or in dollars? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you earn crypto wow. directly on your crypto in these cases. I mean, I could see how such a thing could come into existence, though, with so many people wanting to borrow against their cryptocurrency and things like that, as we talked about earlier. I could easily see them being able to afford an 18%. Not normally. That that does seem like a bit. That's not their average yield or anything like that. No, many of them are lower, if I recall correctly. But something along the lines of 8 9% for an APY, yeah. I could totally see from well, one of these companies. And, you know, think keep in mind they don't have bank branches. They don't have a physical, you know, hundreds of physical locations with huge numbers of staff that they have to maintain. So their operating costs are certainly lower than banks. And uh, I did read a story a long time ago go about these companies and how they could offer those those rates in it it did explain and of it course well. you have to remember the biggest operating expense of a bank is you have to buy a whole damn government in order to point. keep your monopoly in order to keep your cartel in operation and you know that's necessary but you know if if you can afford a license to print money 
it's it's a good thing to have. Yeah, one of the points they made was that banks make plenty of money on their loans that they're doing to people. It's just they're not paying that money to the to the other depositors. It's going to their shareholders. It's going to the government. It's going to paying their huge overheads and paying for children to molest. The banks do that too. Oh yeah, the bankers are famous. <laughs> So, uh, with a little bit of good news to uh, to wrap things out here, there's uh, we've talked about stable coins on this program before. They are usually dollar pegged, but they could be euro pegged or Korean won pegged or whatever. They're cryptocurrency tokens that are ostensibly pegged to the asset that they supposedly are are backed by. And what has existed prior to recent years has been centralized stable coins like usdt or usdc which are the two top uh centralized stable coins out there they're in the top five cryptos actually they're very very popular but there are now these things called algorithmic stable coins which are not backed by actual dollars sitting in a bank account and instead are backed by technology and or other cryptocurrencies and it's very interesting how these things are set up uh one of those decentralized stable coins is called ust and it is on the Terra blockchain. And it has now taken the third most uh, market cap, the, the third largest stablecoin position from Binance's dollar wow. stablecoin. Uh, it just flipped Binance within the last weekend. This past weekend is now uh, number three. So the, the algorithmic stablecoin, the top dog is UST. And if you haven't looked into it, if you're into cryptocurrency, I highly recommend you check out Terra. Uh, and it's a very, very interesting platform. It seems to have, be having some tremendous level of success. Definitely worth looking at. And the interesting thing is, it's not actually backed by dollars, but it's worth a dollar. So check it out when you get the chance. We'll see you tomorrow night. FreeTalkLive.com.